0: The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Bertha Charuma on SAFM.
1: And we are broadcasting live from the Kruger National Park where Higher Education, Science and Innovation Minister Dr. Blade Nzimande is hosting his counterparts from the different BRICS countries. And a lot of questions have been raised, some have been answered, and um, our line of communication is still opened. We'll be taking your uh, your voice notes as well uh, whilst you're at it, so don't uh, despair. We will g- come back to you just now. But to introduce uh, our guest, um, Honourable Minister, good to have you into the studio. Uh,
2: good morning, Peter. Thanks for inviting me and good morning to your listeners at home.
1: Thank you so much. And I'm going to shoot straight to one of the callers as I was having a conversation earlier with the DG. Uh, there was a Wellington on standby in uh, and in Clackstop. Wellington, go ahead. Yes. Uh, good morning, DG, and good morning, Minister.
2: Uh, good morning, Wellington. Good, good. Uh, DG, I'm
0: calling you from Clackstop. My question is
1: um, uh, I, the DG is no longer with us. I've got um, uh, the minister with me. So you can address the minister. Oh,
0: minister Blade. Oh, Okay, no, it's fine. Yes. Uh, minister, my question basically it comes to the issue of the pass rate. Uh, is it not compromising our higher institution to look at the 30% like the requirement that a person can get 40% in home language and 40% in the other two subjects? It can be your content subject. But the challenge now comes when we talk about 30% of the rest. So the content subject, that's where my worry is. We'll be saying we have people that need to be trained in the higher institutions, but these people, they actually have obtained a 30% pass mark. Is it not affecting the marketability of our higher institutions when it comes to other international markets?
2: Okay. If I understand you, Wellington, you are raising the issue of uh, the 30% pass rate in metric. I think let me just explain this. Although this is a matter largely for basic education, but we understand it because we work closely with the Department of Basic Education. And also, by the way, those students, when they leave school, they come to us. The issue there is no 30% genera- generally that allows you to enter into university, for instance, or into particular programs at universities. All education systems are, de- are, are designed in a hierarchical fashion. That if you maintain 30%, it means that you have got certain minimum competences at a particular level, which means, therefore, if you leave school, you can actually be able to go into, say, particular administrative types of studies that are are, are taking you to administrative jobs. Or you can actually go to Tivet College to actually do particular subjects. Or, in some instances, you may go to university to do what is called entry-level or, or higher certificate and so on but you are not going to be taken with 30% to go into most of the full-blown programs at our universities in fact none of them will take you you know with 30% but this minimum different levels of competencies are helpful in order to channel our young people into particular type of studies post-school education and training whether it's police, whether it's an accounts clerk, whether it's, it's whatever to say. If you have to go 30%, it means we have got certain minimum understanding of particular subjects and knowledge that allows you to go. It's a way of distributing young people throughout. Otherwise, you can't say. You only have to be regarded as having passed if you get 50% plus. plus will allow you to go to certain higher level programs. But we want to know those who have not attained 50%, what different levels are there? I don't know whether I'm actually making sense. All education systems operate in that way. And the logic to that is simple Wellington. No human being must be thrown out into a dustbin. There is no dustbin for human beings. So we must know each person who comes out of school what competences that person have and at what level? And therefore, what kind of... Pro- For instance, we've got community colleges. Community colleges now, we are starting to offer short skills programs, you know, uh, that whether it's baking, whether it's fencing, whether it's fixing uh, certain things, you know, and so on. And we will require precisely some of those people with 30% to go to community colleges to be able to access that knowledge so that they are able to move up or to acquire a skill which they need for their own sustainable livelihoods. So our post-school education and training system, by the way, caters for all South Africans who have left schools, whether they've passed or failed. Uh, All All of those who even never went to school. In our community colleges, for instance, we are doing literacy programs just for people who want to learn how to read and write. So this thing that pass rate is 30% is too crude. It doesn't really explain as I'm explaining that. We are talking about minimum levels of knowledge at 30%, at 40%, at 50%. We do need to know that, as I say, in order to to channel people. So that would be my answer, Peter.
1: Wellington, are you answered? I think he's answered. Um, Now, coming back to to, to BRICS, it's been 10 years, and um, we are the hosting country. What have been the most pivotal outcomes of, of this partnership?
2: Well, there are a number of, of those things generally, even outside education. For instance, we have a BRICS bank. It's a very important development uh, that we have. There are a number of programs that we've started on cooperation, cooperation amongst our universities, student exchange, scholar exchange that is lecturers you know and, and and so on and there are also particular programs also within brics there are scholarships for instance russia and government offers south africans quite a number of scholarships you know to actually go and study there china as well we have got thousands of south african students who benefiting from scholarships who are able so the brics partnership further strengthens that and be able to move together. One of the latest things that we've, we've we've now motivated to be established we have a BRICS academic forum by the way where our academics are able to share experiences in this age of the fourth industrial revolution you know and also <coughs> we have now proposing that we need to set a BRICS academy which would be one of the institutions you know to train BRICS bureaucrats, but also to train people in common subjects that we want to uplift ourselves as a as a country so there is lots you know that is actually happening but much much more importantly by the way BRICS also is an economic forum and block you know that we want to maximize trade and economic relations amongst our countries remember BRICS countries constitute 43% of the world's population yes it's almost half. Yes, it's almost half of the world's population uh, in these five BRIC country, BRICS countries. The Russian deputy minister put it nicely you know, that the big five was meeting in the land of the big five. You know, uh, <coughs> so if you look at China with about 1.3 billion, India has just hit 1.4 billion. It's the most populous uh, country in the world now. We as South Africa we're just over sixty million Russians, I think are over two hundred million. Brazil also, it's hundreds of millions of people. So it's forty three percent, almost half of the world's population. If we can maximize economic, social, educational, scientific cooperation, for instance, we really can be an important role player that can begin to shift things in favor of developing countries. That is why there are so many countries who are wanting to join BRICS. In fact, our chairing of BRICS in South Africa coincides with a number of countries who have applied that they would like to join BRICS because they are seeing an opportunity of a potential alternative development path that is sensitive to the needs of our poor populations.
1: Mm. And you highlighted currency. If we have one common currency, uh, do you think we are able to sustain from an African perspective?
2: Well, the starting point at the moment is that countries should trade in their own respective currencies. Like Brazil and China now, they've agreed. They're going to be doing trade using their own currencies. In other words, what we are doing is what we call the de you know, of our economies because this thing of all being hung up around the dollar is, is not very helpful. It's got lots of negativity, negative things about it. You know, It's important to, for our sovereignty to be able to interact uh, with uh, each other's countries. It is feasible. We think it is possible. It is starting already. In fact, the other thing that may unintentionally push BRICS towards an alternative financial system, for instance, globally, is the sanctions against Russia. It's forcing Russia to operate differently, looking also to BRICS countries to be able to cooperate uh, differently and so on. So I think we think that BRICS actually has got a lot of potential to Mm. be able to provide a space for a developmental path that is responsive to the needs of poorer countries.
1: Would you would you say that the concept is derived from the concept that was initiated when the euro was created, or it's completely different?
2: Well, while BRICS must learn from other blocs and so on, but this concept was very different and distinct because this was based on it was developing countries, of course, themselves at different levels of development coming together to say how can we maximize our cooperation for the sake of the development of our populations and also come with what one would call a developmental paradigm which is very different from Europe or North America because yes we have got relations with Europe which are important we have got relations with the United States which, which are important but they tend to be based on aid rather than driving a developmental agenda that's where also the bank actually comes in that is where also by the way education cooperation becomes important you know in terms of for instance uh, we've got a very extensive program now of collaboration around TVET College education because that is very crucial vocational education we are also looking at other skills programs you know exchanges including collaboration by our universities to be able to produce particular skills and so on because education is also very central in economic development. So those are the things that I would say are are quite important. And as you ask, I would say that BRICS has a lot of potential.
1: I, I had a question earlier on, it, 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 it was a WhatsApp that was sent through where uh, somebody asked um, the question that, you know, there are, you know we, we export our students to study in BRICS. What are the chances of us evolving? Because we always export, but the system that we use hasn't adopted any international standards to improve our future. Uh, we talk vision. The reality is we are still behind or sabotaged. And uh, Brian Mabae is the one who sent us um, um, that note from Protea Glen. We're What's your
2: take? Well, our approach is not really to export our students such that they go for good. The scholarships that we have, we've got agreements, you know, that students must come back and work in South Africa, and of South Africa. And by the way, there is another very great advantage in having students studying in different parts of the world is that they come back to South Africa with different experiences that combined, they are able to contribute new ideas, innovation into our economy, into our education system such that we are able to learn uh, from others. But I do understand that your caller is raising an important issue that there is usually a one-way traffic of students from the African continent, going to Europe, North America, Asia, and never coming back. But the model we are trying to pursue is to say those students who go abroad must actually come back to South Africa and be able to work in South Africa so that we are able to benefit from their skills. International exchange is very important for our education.
1: Totally, I, I, I totally agree with you because then, you know, we end up learning tolerance because when you live in a foreign country, you do learn a thing or two.
2: Absolutely. You do you learn a thing or two.
1: Yes. I, I do have, maybe let me take one or two voice notes before I just let you go because I know you have to yes. go. Yes. Uh, can we take one or two no, uh, voice notes? Hi, I got a question for your, your guest there. Uh, regarding the BRICS and the, and the partnership in terms of education, uh, I've got two of my children, both in medical school, just graduated there. But the thing is the BRICS Association with South Africa, we're still having a problem for them to be registered here in South Africa for the HPCSA. I mean, I, I would love for him to share some in, insight on that. Thank you.
0: Good morning. I'd like to know for a thirty seven year old unemployed who does not have a metric certificate or failed metric are there any opportunities overseas in these BRICS countries for South Africans who are in this situation just sitting at home nothing to
2: do and culture on mutual recognition of qualifications we are working at that now amongst BRICS so that Qualifications that are offered in any of the BRICS countries are actually recognized amongst the BRICS members, which would include the issue of medicine. I know that there is a challenge in the area of medicine. For instance, the Chinese system is very different from ours. So we need then to align uh, such that uh, we are able to have those qualifications recognized. India also may have some differences In some instances, especially also in sensitive disciplines uh, or studies like medicine. In China, for instance, students do not go to hospitals until after they finish their basic degree. In South Africa, they go to hospitals from third year. That's our model. So all those are things, though, that we are actually committed to addressing because they also, helps us, they also help us in South Africa. We have only nine medical schools. We need much more medical schools like that. So if we can be able to send our students abroad to be able to study medicine, it would actually help us to produce the medical practitioners that we need. That's, that would be my answer to this question.
1: Let's take one more.
0: Good morning like to no. know, for a 37-year-old unemployed who does not have a matric certificate or failed matric, are there any opportunities overseas in these BRICS countries for South Africans who are in this situation, just sitting at home,
2: nothing to do? Well, uh, thanks, thanks for that question. We are trying hard to create opportunities in South Africa uh, for such students. There, there are a number of opportunities that they can explore. If you are 57 years old, you didn't do metric, matric, you could actually apply to enter university or at Tibet college. There we have got a system of recognition of prior learning to say someone with your experience maybe no longer needs to write matric because your, your, your knowledge that you have acquired through life and experience will allow you to be able to access a university degree, for instance. There are those opportunities that are there in terms of recognition of prior learning. That can be done. Uh, by applying to relevant institutions, whether it's a TVET TVET college, definitely, you know, you can be able to be taken there. And I'm sure also at the universities, that's what you want to do. The other option, of course, is to attend a community college to be able to finish your matric as an adult, a matric student, you know, who, who attends classes after hours and so on. There are those opportunities as well that you need to actually identify. Even before exploring overseas uh, uh, opportunities, because overseas opportunities would tend to want people who already have a matric or even have a university or at College qualification.
1: And just before I, I let you go, I think I want to be a little bit ahead of myself. This is the tenth. Any expectations in in the you know eleventh conference?
2: yes uh, w- remember there is the major summit which will take the resolutions and decisions the work we are doing here we are taking it to the BRICS Heads of State summit which is taking place next month here in South Africa uh, in August, late in August so we are taking these for adoption uh, other ministries are also in departments are also doing the same thing inviting other ministers in their portfolios to discuss to come and adopt declarations we are actually going to have a declaration yes lots of things you know to to actually commit to cooperate around climate change and share experiences is something that is very important because our needs as developing countries are much more different than developed countries when it comes to climate change we need resources To be able to deal with mitigation of that, the challenge of out of school youth. You know, we intend to have programs and exchanges on how we deal with the huge challenge that we face as developing countries of having so many young people who are sitting at home doing nothing, you know, being unemployed. I've already spoken about the benefit of mutual recognition of qualifications. We're also going to be sharing entrepreneurial development you know how do you develop a culture of entrepreneurship amongst our students amongst our populations sharing just amongst the brics countries you know is actually going to be a very important thing most importantly for us as south africa is brics tivet cooperation alliance to develop the tivet college sector because that's the sector we need to be increasing much more than the university sector because only six Learners who start grade one actually go to universities. So the 94, we need to be addressing through other means. And the main one is to expand Tibet college education. So BRICS, we have got excellent examples from Russia, from China, in terms of what they are doing. We have a lot to learn out of each other in order to be able to drive this. So there's lots of real benefit already within BRICS. there are lots of students even from Tibet colleges now that we take to china for work placement so that they get different environmental experience as you were saying you learn a lot also when you are not in your own country
1: you do yes well i think we have to live it there Higher Education, Science, and Innovation Minister Dr. Blade in Monday, and sharing some insight into uh, the BRICS conference. And I think we also need to be positive and see where it goes. Hopefully, in the at the 11th conference, uh, we will get um, different results. Not that. The results we're getting now uh, are not sufficient enough. Thank you so much for coming through and joining us on the Talking Point on SAFM. Thank
2: you very much, Beth.
1: Thank you. Let's go to news. It's just gone after 11.30.